I just want to say that um, you never know what your invitation may do in somebody's life. And for some reason in our culture that we live in, it's very easy at this time to use our faith and to invite people to the house of God. Because the two times of year that they're actually going to come is on Easter Sunday morning and on Mother's Day. The two highest attended. You can understand that, right? You're going to put Jesus first and Mama. Because <laughs> if Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. She's going to get her chickadees there, I'll tell you that right now. And so I just want to encourage you. We have invite cards for Easter. That's not for you. You're supposed to already be coming, right? That's for you to have a tool to put in someone's hand. Now, there's two on each seat, but there's plenty over there. We got a thousand or so of them. If we run out of those, I'll have them drop shipped overnight. We'll hand out some more. But we want to use this as an opportunity to engage people. What this is, is not just something that you throw in their face, but it's a conversation starter. Because once you hand them this, you've just declared to be something, whether you declared it ever before or not. Because they're going to look at this and go, oh, you go to church? Hopefully they know that before you gave them a card. But just in case... They'll know after you give it to them. And it's just an open door. It's just an opportunity for you to begin to have a conversation with them. But most of all, to give, them, to give them an invitation to come and be a part of a great community. There's no greater people that I know in Franklin and Simpson County than the people that are sitting right here. Amen? Amen? Don't y'all like each other? Amen. Some of it, somebody needs to say, yeah, I think I am pretty great. Yeah, awesome. Well, I've preached half my message. Let me preach the other half. How about that? In the book of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We're going to hit that passage of Scripture, and then we're going to keep running. Jesus says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, to observe all the things that I've commanded. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Notice that we've talked about this, and I'm not going to preach about this today. He didn't say go make converts. He didn't say, he didn't say go give altar calls. He said go and make disciples. The best definition I have as a disciple is a disciple is a follower of Jesus who makes other disciples. That's a true definition. If you don't fit that definition, then ask God to help you. Amen? The book of Mark, chapter 16, Jesus said unto them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Luke, chapter 24, verse 46 through 47, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Thus is written that Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. John 20, 21, Jesus said to them again. If you try to turn there, you might want to give up. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Acts 1, 8. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. These commands were given not only to the apostles, but they were given to the disciples. 
That means the church, the followers of, the, of, of Christ. And so the command to be a soul winner is not for preachers, it's for believers. The responsibility for evangelism is not in Ephesians chapter 4 to be an evangelist and start a television program that reaches the world. That's not what Ephesians 4, 11 is all about. Ephesians 4 and 11 boils down to one thing, is that God gives us gifts to the church, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, to do what? To equip the body for the work of the ministry. It was never intended to be put in a one-man show and we'll let this guy be the dude that helps win the whole city. Never was meant to be that way. It's unbiblical. And I know we've operated that way for centuries, but hey, why not operate the way the Bible says? Why not follow the model that's given to us by Scripture? And why don't we stand up as believers and do what God's asked us to do? He's asked us to share our faith. And sharing our faith doesn't mean that you grab your Bible and you walk around smacking people over the head with it. Get saved. You know. It just simply means sharing the gospel, sharing your faith. And if it's so obvious in all of these scriptures that I read that it's our job as disciples to make disciples, it's our job as disciples to share our faith so that others might know him, then why do we not do this? It's a question that I've asked myself. It's a question that I've asked as I've preached over the years. Why is it that 95% of all believers will never, ever, 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 never, ever, not going to do it, don't do it, and will die and go to heaven without sharing their faith with someone else. How does that happen? How does it happen? How do we do that? When the Bible simply commands, it simply instructs us to share our faith. I think sometimes for me, to be honest, I thought about this. I struggle with evangelism because I feel like I have the weight of such an eternal message on me getting it right. And that I've always felt like as if I was sharing my faith with someone, if I said something that wasn't accurate or something that wasn't quite perfect, that I would be messing up their eternity. That's kind of what I thought. That's the, what I struggled with in evangelism. I remember our pastor preaching one day and he said, we need to be soul winners and we need to share the gospel. And so as a teenager, you know, I took everything that man said and preached about and took it to the extreme that you could take it. Yes, Pastor David is a man of extremes. And so he says, we should go share our faith. So I said to, hey, Pastor Ricky, we were teenagers at the time. I said, let's go to Rivergate Mall on Friday and let's witness. Let's take our Bibles, get some tracts. Just back in the day, we used to hand out tracts. Nobody read them. Probably. I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe people got saved for tracks. I don't know. Nobody ever read the ones I handed out. I'll tell you that. So me and Pastor Ricky, we go, and I'm so excited. I've been saved for about two minutes. I know absolutely nothing except Jesus saved me, and it felt great. That was the extent of my biblical knowledge. Jesus saves. I feel good. Don't you want to, too? No evangelism explosion, no outline, no 
three-point sermon and a poem, no illustrations, no experiences. Just me trying to do what my pastor said. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever tried to just do street witnessing or just random walking down the street, it's not really my thing. There's people that are really gifted at it. Uh, my thing is getting involved in people's lives, getting there and sharing my faith. That's, and I think that's really how most of us came to Christ. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm at Rivergate Mall there in Gulletsville, Madison, wherever it's at. And I'm walking in the So I see these four teenagers. They're about my age. I figure they're safe, right? Four dudes. I figure I could take them if it got bad. You know, a little bit wiry guys, but, you know, I figure I could still hold my own, you know. So I walk up to them. I did what my pastor said in this sermon. I said, hey, guys, you got a second? Oh, yeah. If you were to die right now. Yes, I lifted my voice just like that. Would you go to heaven or hell? And these dudes, man, they were so taken, but they like took two steps back. And they started looking at each other, and, he, and they started going, yeah, you'd go to hell. <laughs> then they started debating on where they were all going. And I'm standing there, I'm like, hey, they're not doing this right. Okay. And so they all four turned at me, and at the exact same time, in unison said, we're all going to purgatory. And I went, y'all have a great night. <laughs> and I walked down there, and I'm like, to be a pastor, <laughs> we wasn't pastor then. I was like, what what is purgatory? I don't know what that is. Is that like a school in the area? I don't know what it is. And he goes, why'd you just walk away? We were supposed to talk to them about our faith. I said, they had me at purgatory. I figured if I didn't know what that was, I couldn't lead them to the Lord. I was lost. Ricky's trying to explain to me about purgatory, and I'm like, no, 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 just stop. Uh-uh, I'm so confused. No, 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 we'll, get, we'll work on pur purgatory later. Some of you right now will be like, I'll put it in on Facebook. <laughs> We're not going there. And so I, I, I mustered up to some face, and I saw some guys sitting outside. I walked outside, had my Bible with me, because you can't witness without your Bible, apparently. You know, so I had it with me. And I walked out there and I said, if you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? Would you go to hell? I always had to say hell like that. I don't know why, but that's how we had to say it. And the guy looks at me and he says, I'm going to hell. It's a party. And I don't know why I did this. I said, you got a cigarette lighter? He goes, yeah. So let me see it. He pulls out his cigarette lighter. I said, hold your hand out. He held his hand out. I don't know why. I wouldn't have done it. He did it. I took the cigarette lighter. I clicked it. I put it under his hand. He went, oh, man, what are you doing? I said, dude, that ain't even a second in hell. And you want to go there? There's no party. Now, I didn't know nothing about anything, but I kind of had that. And he looked at me and he goes, so what do I do about it? And I go, Ricky, what does he do about it? He goes, well, we're going to pray with him. I said, perfect. Pray with him. Go right ahead, buddy. You've been in this since you were 10. You figured this, the rest of part of this out. I looked over to the next guy. He was just kind of off in space somewhere. I said, dude, hey, man, do you see your friends over here giving his life to Christ? He goes, yeah. He goes, I don't believe in this book that you carry. And I said, Really? 
you don't believe in this? I said, that's fine. And I took it and I dropped it at his feet. And he goes, man, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I said, I thought you didn't believe in that. And all of a sudden it dawned on him that he actually did. And I said, hey, Ricky, are you done over here? Because I don't know the next part. So you come over here, whatever you did over there, over there. I'm going to watch what you do next time, but can you go over here? That was the extent of my personal evangelism. I didn't know anything, but you know what? I didn't have to know anything. And let me just say, don't do it that way. I was young and dumb. It's like I, I, I had a lot of zeal, but no wisdom. What I'm saying is use your faith. Raise the level of expectancy. Believe God to do what his word says he'll do. You think you'll talk to someone that God doesn't want to be saved? He said, whosoever will, right? So is there anybody he's not already working on their heart if he leads you along the pathway? So I want to encourage you to do a few things. Move back to a place of expectancy and expectation. Number two, believe that signs and wonders follow them that believe. <laughs> believe God to miraculously show up in people's life because you're following and being obedient to Scripture. We, man, I don't know why in the church we, we run around from church to church, place to place, looking for the sign. When God says the byproduct of us living our faith is the, is the after glow of miracles. Anybody ever been in a boat? Your boat goes in water, right? What's that called at the end of the boat when it troubles the water? Y'all were supposed to help me. We don't know. The wake. Um, is that what it's called? The wake. We'll go, we'll go with wake. By unison. I'm not sure that's what it's called. The what happens after the the, the oh gosh, I speak for a living. This is awesome. But, after the boat, the boater creates a wake. All right, so we'll call it a wake. Something else in my brain, but we'll go with wake. That is miracles, according to Mark chapter 16. In other words, our life is the boat that's going forward. The Holy Spirit is what's driving us forward, if you will, in this illustration. And the byproduct of us just coming by is miracles and a wake of God's glory and stuff that happens. And so when we are in a church body trying to get in the wake without being in the boat, it doesn't last very long. But if we'll walk by expectancy and, and by faith, the byproduct of our faith will be people's lives changed, miracles, washing machines that work, dogs that are healed. Lives that are changed, loved ones that are saved, things that happen. Because we dare to step and walk by faith. We often say, if God shows up, be right there. God's already shown up, He's already there. You have to get on board so that He will do what he said he would do. They follow because we're walking actively. You can list some things there. 
Devils will be terrified of the Holy Spirit within us. Things that should harm us will not harm us. Why? Because it's God acknowledging His Word. I'll close with this story. My last point is God confirms His Word, not you. God confirms His Word, not you. You remember me talking to you a few weeks ago go about Adopt-A-Block, the ministry where we went out every week on the same block and we would clean up the, the, the block that we were assigned to and then we loved on people. I told the story of Miss Isola Groves that wouldn't let me in the door, then barely held her hand out to let me pray. Well, well into that, probably a year or so in it, there was this one door that we would knock on. No one was ever home. Like we knew somebody lived there, but nobody was ever there. And one Saturday morning, me and my friend, Tony and Danielle, how old was Danielle? She was five years old. So it was me and my friend from middle school and little five-year-old Danielle. I knock on Amber's door. Amber opens the door. It's the first time I've ever seen Amber. When I opened to Amber, I said, hey, we're just out here. She goes, I know what y'all do. The whole neighborhood talks about it. I said, was there anything that I can pray with you about? She goes, yes. She goes, I'm going through a lot right now. Would you pray for me? I was like, man, this is great. She's never come to the door. I'm going to have an opportunity to pray for her. And so I said, would you mind holding my hand? I don't know why I did it. She didn't have to. God could have touched her with me standing in the other parking lot, for heaven's sakes. But I just wanted her, I just wanted her to grab my, grab my hand. I just asked God with just a simple prayer. I didn't even, I had no context of how to pray. I just said, God, thank you for Amber and her family. While, while I was praying, her little kid came and punched me in the leg. The other one came on the other side, kicked me in the leg. I'm getting beat up while I'm praying for mom here. It's like, oh, yeah, thank you. Oh, Lord, yes, yeah. You know, so I... I get at the end of the prayer and I get down on the ground. I start messing around with the kids a little bit. On the way back, we're driving and it's me and Tony in the front and Danielle, little Danielle in the back. We're talking. I, can't, I, can't, I said, man, I, I really felt like God wanted to do something in Amber's life. And I just don't feel like that, that, it, that it happened. So, you know, we're having this adult conversation back and forth. And I, and I said, maybe, maybe she needed to, maybe she wanted to give her heart to the Lord. And may, I don't, I just feel like it. So we're, he goes, well, what do you think was going on? And I said, I don't know. I just said, so we're having this adult conversation. We get all the way back to the church for me to get in our car. And so we go to get out. And Danielle says from the back, well, can't we turn around and go back? Is the Holy Spirit not still moving? In which I said, shut up, kid. Put your seatbelt back on. Because <laughs> nobody wants a five-year-old to fix a 40-year-old. But they do, don't they? The Bible says out of the mouth of babes. And so both of us, I mean, and I was going, you know, it'd be easy to go, you know, be quiet, come on, let's go get you some P&J and let's get to the house. But I knew she was feeling something that was deeper than a five-year-old's wisdom. 
So we turn around, we got back in the car, and I knocked on the door again. And for the second time in almost two years, she opens the door. This time she has tears streaming down her face. And I said, Amber, we had to come back. I believe you need to give your life to Christ. And she goes, I sure want to. I just don't know how. I was just asking God, how do I give my life? You prayed for me. I felt God's presence. I asked God that morning, God, please send somebody along my pathway. And you knocked on my door. She says, you've knocked on my door for countless times and we've ignored it. Most of the time we were so hungover we couldn't hear it. Heard it today and I led her to the Lord. And I said, Amber, we're getting baptized. We're baptizing people. You need to get baptized tomorrow. I said, you got to wait to church or could we, we need to come. She goes, my mama will come get me. Her mama lives in Franklin, Kentucky. She drove all the way down there to pick her up, bring her to church. And her mama and her, Amber ended up moving away, but her mom attended that church until just a few years ago. All because we just simply dared to believe God and expected God to use us if we just simply loved on people. It took an act of faith. It took us getting in the boat, but the byproduct was Amber. The byproduct was her kids getting saved in children's church. The byproduct was her mom coming to church and getting filled with the Holy Spirit and becoming an active part of a ministry team, become an active part of our prayer team. The byproduct, the wake of God's glory still continues to move on throughout history and we'll never know the full results until we get to heaven one day. 